Welcome to February's edition of the BBRA Beatcast. I'm Francesca Broom, your host and Knowledge Exchange Manager for BBRO. This month, we're joined by Professor Mark Stevens and Dr Alastair Wright to discuss some really exciting news based on the results of some of our trial work in 2021. Welcome, Mark and Alistair, to Beatcast. This is obviously the February edition. I know we've got three topics to cover. I think the one that's going to cause interest or concern with growers is obviously going to be the EA approval of the use of a neonicotinoid treated seed. Mark, let's go to you first. Can you just tell us a little bit more about it? Because it's not quite so easy as just saying we've got approval, is it? Thank you, Chess. Hello, everybody. Clearly, actually, with seed orders going out when they did, as most people have probably made those decisions already of whether or not they're going to uh, use uh, the cruiser option on their seed for 2022. But you are right, Chess, in what you've said. The industry had applied for the use of Cruiser SB uh, and uh, we gained that emergency approval in January this year. But there are a number of points in relation to last year that have changed. And for 2022, uh, once again, there is the trigger mechanism. To be able to actually have treated seed, we need to take into account the Rothamsted virus yellow forecast. And that is primarily driven by the weather conditions that we have in January and February. Now, last year, the economic trigger threshold was 9%. The the latest emergency authorization application that has been granted by has taken that to 19%. Uh, they've re-evaluated our figures and, and have come back with this recommendation. Now, to be able to trigger uh, the use of Cruiser on the 1st of March, when Rothamsted will report the, the forecast, we believe we need a, a weather temperature in that mean temperature of around about uh, 4.25 to 4.5 degrees. So that's warmer than last year. We are watching very closely weather patterns. We have not had so far a cold winter, particularly looking at what we've had through January. And many of us will remember the incredibly mild start to January when we were getting temperatures up to 16 degrees by day. But probably more significantly was the uh, very warm nights that we had uh, as well. But as we've gone through January, we've had a high pressure system. We've had some quite cold nights, but it's still too early to say because the weather pattern we're about to experience in February will be influential to ultimately deciding whether or not we're triggering it. If you remember last year, we had that very cold spell uh, and that was the reason why we didn't trigger it. We all need to be watching the weather very closely. And as soon as we know, we will report on the 1st of March where the cruiser will be used for the next crop. And Mark, do you know in the past 10 years how often we would have triggered at 19% or have we not looked at those figures as yet? Uh, we have looked at that. It's a really good question, Chairs, and it's been asked by several people. So if you look back, we would have triggered it 11 times out of 20 years. So it's around about 50 to 60% of the time we would have triggered it. And I think it's probably worth reminding growers that it wasn't triggered last year, as in in 2021, and we didn't have the issues with virus yellows. We can be reasonably confident that if it's not triggered this year, it is because the model is reading correctly and, yeah, we won't have the major issues we've had in the past. 
Yeah, and that's really worth making that point as well. The forecast that we have has been operational now for 58 years. We have a, a long data set, a very robust data set that we're able to use and interrogate to understand uh, the challenges of virus yellows. Clearly, things have changed over the time with different insecticide approaches and strategies that growers are able to deploy to limit its impact. People should take a lot of confidence from that. And as an aside, emergency authorizations are being granted in Europe as we speak. There are other countries that are gaining the use of neonicotinoids in the short term to ultimately find alternative solutions. But no other European country will go to the levels that we are doing here in the UK to build in a trigger mechanism. Because your question is spot on. Believe in the science because if it's a low risk, it will be a low level from virus yellows. And actually, if we're starting at a low point for last year, that again does help a little bit for this year, doesn't it? because we would assume there is not so much virus out there. The good news is for 2022, from some of the monitoring work that BBRO and others have been doing in the autumn, there hasn't been too many misers persky about. So that's good. So hopefully the pressure is at a lower point. Although if the mild weather continues, those aphids can keep surviving and start to reproduce. And we know that with only 2% of the crop infected last year, that means there'll be a lot less reservoirs of infection that potentially those aphids could acquire to then bring into the 2022 crop. If we don't get some cold weather and we do trigger cruiser, uh, that will tell us that ultimately the aphids will be flying into the crop earlier than last year. And we all know that the earlier those aphids fly, the greater the impact and potential risk of virus impacting yield at the end of the season. And of course, we'll be covering within the BBIO advisory bulletin what growers need to be doing throughout the season to make sure that they're all aware of what's available to them to tree and when we are seeing the aphids migrating across the whole area. Exactly. So the BBRO programme of research and monitoring will kick into action once we get into April and May. We will be monitoring uh, in the usual crops. We'll be using yellow water pans. We'll be using wider surveillance uh, that uh, will all then feed into the weekly BBRO bulletins to try and give as much information and guidance to you know the grower base uh, and agronomists to make the right decisions once we get into season. But as I said, at the moment, until we've got all the weather information for February, who knows where we'll be. We'll cover that in more detail at the Beat Tech events and obviously let growers know. But that leads quite nicely on to you, Alistair, because you've been doing a lot of work on virus yellows, varietal uh, resistance or tolerance to virus yellows. Could you just tell us a little bit about your work and what you found? Uh, yes, of course, Jez. Hi, everybody. Yeah, we've had some really exciting data from last year's trials, uh, where for the first time we've tested pretty much every variety on the recommended list. So for those of you that have just placed your seed orders, we've we've got some data to support that decision making. Although it is important to know it's only off one year's worth of data from one site. So it's more limited than you'd be used to, to the very rigorous data that you'd normally see on the recommended list. Uh, and really, there's some differences to, to guide not just variety selection, but the sowing date and the, the sequence of drilling. So the more susceptible varieties, those on the list that look like they've got a high level of yield loss under virus, be that either beet yellows or beet mild yellowing virus, you need to consider uh, sowing them sooner. And if you drill them sooner, we hope that they'll get more established before the aphids start migrating in and that therefore will lower their 
level of yield loss. Uh, and that backs up not just data we've gained last year, but a lot of data back in the literature that says the earlier you, you plant a variety, you'll not only get the mature plant resistance kicking in, you'll also see the plants respond far more strongly to virus if they're, they're more mature. And some of the data we gained last year in our, our big experiment that looked at sequential sowing dates called Titan, very complicated with, um, I think, 72 different treatments. But we saw there clearly, and you could stand in the field and look at plants that have been inoculated on the same day, but because they were four or six or eight leaves even further ahead than their, their neighbouring plots, you could see that they were so much greener uh, and they responded far more strongly when it came to yield. The results you've got is quite exciting really just to see that there is some material coming through isn't there? Yes there's some really interesting material from all of the breeding houses really. There's, they've all submitted varieties for further testing. There's some very promising results for beet mild yellowing virus so that, that's polarovirus that causes up to 30% yield loss and some of the material which I'll show at beet tech really looks very promising so in the next few years really it'll be good to start seeing some of these varieties out commercially on farm uh, as we wean ourselves off needing chemical intervention. And actually, Alistair, you've only been with BBRO officially for a few months now. So a lot of this work relates to your KTP. So, you know, you're setting yourself up quite high here because we've not only got the news of the virus yellows data, but also you've got some good news when it comes to dealing with free living nematodes. So do you want to tell us a little bit more about that too? Yeah, I think it's quite apt. I'm sat at the moment looking at the field where we did one of the strip trials. So many growers, uh, especially on the lighter land of the Brex and North North, into Yorkshire as well uh, are used to having to tackle free living nematodes the stubby root nematodes the trichodorus or the longodorus the um, needle nematodes and these can cause very significant yield losses but they are a nightmare to work with because they're difficult to extract and count. I thought working with cis nematodes was difficult, uh, but actually free living is, is a, a completely more complicated can of worms, if you'll pardon the pun. But we've had some really good news. So for years, we've relied on uh, synthetic nematicides, so the likes of Temic and more recently Vidate. That was withdrawn from the market back in 2020. Only we were able to use it on the crop in 2021 due to NEA because there was nothing else available for sugar beet and we weren't given much notice at all to find a replacement. So any crops that are still in the ground from this this season are the, the last ones to be treated with Vidate and going forward we're now going to rely on NEMGARD. This is a completely different form of nematicide because it's it's a naturally biologically based product and it's made from garlic and the, the garlic is extracted and it's then embedded into some diatomaceous earth um, to make it into a granule and then it's applied in the exact same manner as by date so just down the spout uh, and into the furrow so for on-farm uses uh, it's a really good easy change the rate you've got to apply it out we're recommending this year start at 10 kilos per hectare as we've not used it widely we're not sure whether this is quite the right rate but from NEMGAR's use in other crops and at similar sowing densities 10 kilos probably is a is a good rate and we tried it at 10 and 20 kilos in our BBRO led strip trials in 2021 and uh, the crop did perform well. NEMGARD was shown to definitely maintain the root quality versus Vidate, so reduced the fanging and therefore the, the damage caused by the nematodes must have been reduced. So we can sort of infer that, that it is controlling the nematodes. And the harvester driver here on the farm um, where we had it, he said he could clearly see how much better the beet were when he was lifting them, like far more bulk, but we didn't quite see 
yield differences in our hand dug trials. So for 2022, we're proposing with EcoSpray, who are the manufacturers, to do a lot more. It's, it's a good piece of news that within 12 months of losing Viday, we've now got a suitable replacement product that should do a very similar job. And the mode of action is, is quite interesting because the polysulfides, so basically the chemicals that are in garlic and give it its its taste and aroma. And those of you that are using it will, will smell it when you are putting it out because it does smell like garlic. So if you're not going to wear your PPE for anything else, make sure you wear it so you don't go home stinking like garlic bread. But uh, those polysulfides sort of diffuse out of the granule into the soil uh, and eventually get taken up by a nematode. Uh, and there's a really interesting picture in Beat Review we have from uh, EcoSpray and some of the work they've been funding up at the UEA and at Earlham Institute. And you can see how the nematodes take up these polysulfides. And basically they, they tear through the uh, nematodes. They, they stop it being able to function and metabolize and it, and it dies. So that's it in layman's terms. And it's really interesting to see that a local company uh, who have developed this, because Ugo Sprayer, based near Barry St Edmunds, are able to provide us with a solution. We're not relying on one of the major chemical manufacturers. It is a, a local product. Uh, obviously, the garlic isn't grown in the UK. Hopefully, it provides us with a solution. And, and you must be congratulated for all your work, because you know the, the trials you've done this year, we've had some fantastic results from. But also for the BBRO wider team, that you know the field team, because um, I'm sure they weren't overly impressed going home smelling of garlic every day, which um, I, I do know was a, a quite a comment around the, the business for, a, for quite a while. So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Hats off to them and, and well done to you. Mark, and that brings us back to you and Virus Yellows. You can obviously talk about it at Beat Tech. So uh, looking forward, as we always do within BBRO, to be able to do the winter conferences. And it's particularly uh, pleasing to know that we'll be able to do it in person this year with all the challenges that we've been faced for our own viruses within the human population. But we will be able to give that update on Virus Yellows. So if you are coming along, uh, we will be doing that. And both Alice and I will be talking. We'll talk more about the detail about Cruiser and the threat. We'll be another few days into the season, so we'll understand what's going on weather-wise. And uh, alongside the information about Cruiser we've just been talking about and Alistair's information about uh, NEMGARD, the other good piece of news that we'll talk about next week is that we've just had INSYST fully approved as a foliate aphicide. So that will sit alongside Topeki, uh, and that means we now have two aphicides fully approved for sugar beet. So another further piece of good news to build on the armory that we have in crop protection. So, yeah. Yeah. And for those that are unable to join us at Beat Tech or are listening to this later, then there will be an opportunity to, to do a catch up of the conference via our website. So thank you both very much for your time. Thank you, Chez. Yeah, pleasure, Chez. If you'd like to hear more of the topics covered today, then please go to our website. And also remember to sign up to the BBRO Beat Tech events. 8th of February at the Norfolk Showground and the 10th of February at Newark Showground. Please book via www.bbro.co.uk forward slash events. Thank you for listening.